Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate, your source for market intelligence, forecasts, and success strategies. I'm Michael Ball. Thanks for being with us. Well, this segment is brought to you by Valuate. Check out their online investment analysis program and application at getvaluate.com. Well, today we have a topical show for you, interesting what's going on in the real estate and online market. Amazon announced Friday their 13.7 billion, that's with a B, acquisition of Whole Foods. Now think about this and what's happening here. Whole Foods has 431 locations around the country. They have a big footprint. What does this mean for online sales? What does this mean for grocery sales? If you look at what happened in the stock market on Friday, we have some drops in some of the the bigger companies like Costco, 7% down, Target, 5% down, Walmart, 5%, Kroger, 9%, and Super Value, a grocer at 14% down. Some of those have changed since Friday, but it's been uh, kind of interesting what's going on. So in this show, we're going to talk to some experts in in real estate and retail and omni-channel and kind of see what's going on in the world of online and retail sales. Please welcome my first guest is Tim Lassiter. He's managing director with PwC. Tim, thanks for being with us. Happy to be here. So Tim, what does this mean for um, online retailers and what does it mean for brick and mortar retailers when you see this type of thing happening? Well, it's a, a big signal of a trend that has been building up for the last several years. Um, so online retail has captured greater and greater share of category after category, uh, really starting with the categories where you know, it was easiest, uh, things that could be digitized, whether that be music, media, you know, any type of media, music or books, and increasingly you know, starting with computers and electronics, high-end things that didn't have a, had high individual price points and relatively high value versus the shipping cost or versus their weight. And now we've kind of migra- we're migrating down into the grocery area where the items are significantly lower um, and there's an incremental cost of picking, but it is what consumers have come to expect, uh, or at least uh, a big chunk of consumers are expect to be able to order online through an app just like they do anything else. Yeah, I mean, and what do you think, Tim? You I mean you study this omni-channel marketing, the retail? You know what's going on with these retailers when you talk about you know deliveries? There's, you know, there's some challenges with deliveries. You know, like taking those, uh, you, they ship you something, you don't like it. How do you take it back? There's a cost there. With an online retailer as big as Amazon, having all these locations around the country, a little bit of a game changer there? Is that why some of these markets, uh, maybe the market's kind of reacting to this? Um, no, I don't think the market's uh, particularly reacting to any kind of explicit store combination. Uh, the, the industry's been moving this way to an omni-channel world for quite some time. We have a range of different kinds of models from the pure internet to uh, a few pure stores, but very few that are even doing that are all on that other extreme anymore. So this combination of kind of online and offline is just an actual part of the evolution. Um, the last mile issue that you raised in the beginning is how I got started into this build um, about 17 years ago. Is a big article we called "The Last Mile to Nowhere," 
mm-hmm. highlighting how some of the early startups that were trying to do delivery services weren't likely to succeed because the economics were so challenging. Um, those economics have gotten better over time, but more importantly, consumer expectations have changed so that consumers are expecting some type of uh, an online. It's, it's a price of entry. It's not, not really optional any longer for a retailer to not be able to serve a subset of customers that believe they have to be able to shop online. Yes, and what do you think about online providers uh, like this buying this much brick and mortar? I mean, this is kind of a, it kind of seems like a big change. You know, we're starting to see some online retailers uh, move into brick and mortar, but this is a pretty big move. Is it all about that last mile? Well, as I pointed out, grocery has been the last place to, um, to, to get penetrated heavily. It's still only less than, probably less than 5% of the United States. Um, and I, it, it isn't going to be a fundamental sweeping change, and it isn't um, about transforming grocery stores, you know, instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Change is coming, and it's going to be important, but I, actually I think what you're going to see more of is more experimental models that are smaller footprint stores coupled with pickup locations, and you'll have... You know, from a commercial real estate standpoint, there will still be more fulfillment centers that are close to the cities to be able to do fast delivery when it's done from a non-store format. But a large chunk of people are still going to go into grocery stores, particularly for products, um, for fresh products in their meals. Most people do. It surveys have shown most people don't know what they're going to have for dinner on a given night. So okay. everything's not planned by the vast majority of shoppers. So stopping by a grocery store, if things up, it's still going to happen. But... Other people who are planners and become app-based will like to be able to place an order in advance, swing by and pick it up in their car. And the reason that's becoming a dominant model is because it's all part of the big economics. Home delivery is challenging. The cost is high. And the cold chain of keeping fresh and perishables is significantly more challenging than you know, through package delivery services that are already national and can fold, you know billions of packages a year through the network. Um, so this kind of curbside combo model with smaller footprints is more likely to be the dominant in grocery. And what does this mean for consumers, Tim? Uh, might other retailers and uh, grocery stores kind of uh, change things a little faster? It seems like a lot of retailers have gone to more of the omni-channel marketing. Is this going to speed up the process maybe in the grocery area? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a wake-up call for people. It's not a pure wake-up call. Everyone's been looking into this, but the sense of urgency will certainly rise. Now, there's been a big cushion in grocery to some extent because of the uh, the flaming disaster of WebBand in 2000, the first Internet bubble, where they were going to transform the grocery industry and ultimately raise lots of money and went bankrupt from you know, the star that was going to shake everything up to a... How did we possibly believe this was going to work uh, in about 18 months? I think is how the media went, shifted the story. Um, so that kind of allowed people to be lulled into complacency. And again, the economics are more challenging than they are in many other categories. But change is uh, going to be on the horizon, no doubt about it. Yeah. We're talking with Jim Lasseter with PwC. And, and Tim, what does it mean for pricing? You know, I think of uh, Amazon as being, you know, price conscious. I think of Whole Foods of being expensive. 
uh, when you combine the two and you have Amazon kind of taking over some of that brand and having these locations, what would, how would you expect that someone like that would take advantage of, of the mix of those two? Uh, yeah, I, I can't talk to the specifics of individual companies' strategies, but as a general market trend, competition is good for consumers. Consumers uh, tend to win in that game. When more people are trying to get your business, it tends to drive pricing down. Yeah, and that's a good thing uh, if you're on the consumer side. And uh, so what does this mean for grocery stores? If, if What should they do differently or should they do anything? Is this just part of what they expected to, to happen? Well, um, at a macro level, I do think traditional supermarkets, probably biggest play is to leverage the strength they have, which is inventory sitting in a store that they can sell versus an online model or a pure pickup model. And the, the biggest place, the, the way to, to improve the way, the velocity of that inventory and to, um, to get a greater return on that, that inventory investment is by connecting to the digital consumer much more aggressively. Uh, four out of 10 consumers have shopped with retailer grocery apps directly. Um, and the second thing is to collaborate with the, 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 the consumer packaged goods companies that are um, the providers and their main partners. Because the center store is actually what's going to get most squeezed in the tr- traditional grocery store. The ambient temperature case goods that are sitting on shelves are the easiest things to turn into subscriptions and online and pickup models. The fresh is what people are going to come in and see and experience and choose at the last minute. So how do you actually make that center store more productive? How do you actually attach, uh, reach out to the, the best consumers and, and uh, maximize kind of the max availability of inventory to people's needs and, and frankly, maximizing the revenue you can get from it? Right. Yeah, well said. Tim, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you being on the show. My pleasure. And stay with us. We'll have more on this kind of retail shakeup. Some people are saying, some people are saying, hey, maybe it's not a big deal. We'll get into it further. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Video is powerful. Some of the biggest brands in commercial real estate have trusted us to tell their story. We are Barnes Creative Studios, Atlanta's premier commercial real estate video services. BarnesCreativeStudios.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. This segment is brought to you by Build Out. This is a great broker tool for marketing and websites. Visit buildout.com. Well, today we're exploring the $13.7 billion announcement by Amazon uh, to buy the Whole Foods stores. And uh, 
and they've got 431 locations around the country. What does it mean for retail property owners and retailers? Well, let's get an answer to some of that now. Please welcome my next guest, Jim Costello. Jim is Senior Vice President with Real Capital Analytics, and he's joining us on the phone. Jim, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Well, Jim, when you look at the kind of the history of of these grocery anchor centers that have Whole Foods in them, you know, they're, they're in pretty good locations. What do you see regarding kind of current value, what you've seen in the past, you know, before this announcement when you compare it to the market? Yeah, let's break that down a couple ways. Let's talk first about grocery anchored retail overall. In the last few years, when investors are hungry for yield and uh, jumping into property types that felt safer, grocery anchored retail was always one that stood out because even though there's some negativity around the retail sector right now, given the growth of the internet and competition there, there's always a need for those basic necessities of food and toiletries. So grocery anchored retail was doing great. And then within that, you know, there was a particular star for a bit, any grocery anchored center that also had a Whole Foods. And to 2013, 2014, those centers, uh, the transactions that happened were at cap rates that were almost 200 basis points lower than grocery centers on average. So there was a time when these centers were the cream of the crop, you know, the most expensive places that the investors were going. And was some of that, Jim, because of the locations where these Whole Foods were going in? Were there, maybe they're a little bit better uh, locations than some of the other grocery stores when you compare them overall? Yeah, if you take that premium and you break it down over time, there's a component of it that I think came from the locations where they were. And there's a component of it that came from the strength, really the balance sheet of the tenant that was there. Yeah. The Whole Foods was picking locations where you had you know, high-income individuals, uh, consumers on the go, who were willing to pay up for, you know, pay higher prices for organic foods and healthy prepared meals. So they had to find these locations where these people were. So that location premium, they paid for it first, but then also the, the tenancy. You know, for a while, Whole food share prices were very high. They were the king of the organic world. It's the only place you can go to get a lot of that. Uh, over time, that, that tenant premium seems to have declined. In the last few years, Whole Foods, their fortunes have slipped a bit. And part of that is you can go to any corner store now and buy some organic food. Uh, my old apartment building here in New York had a little grocery store that you know, only had organic produce. So that's pretty much everywhere now. So that location premium is still in place, though. They're still in fantastic locations surrounded by high-income individuals. And that is something that... Uh, you know, people were still paying a premium for, but the tenant premium had slipped in recent years. Yeah, we're talking with Jim Costello, Real Capital Analytics, and they track investment property sales pretty much all over the world. And we're talking about retail today because this is a big announcement, I think, with Amazon buying Whole Foods. And Jim, so Jim, what does this mean for the value of centers with Whole Foods in them now if you have, if, if this sale goes through and you have the credit of Amazon and the business practices of Amazon coming in? And then what does that mean for grocery anchored centers that are non-Amazon that now are, or non-Whole Foods, however you want to look at it, that have to compete with them? Well, it, 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 it's, it's tricky 
there's a number of different moving pieces here to consider. Now, if it was as simple as the location premium uh, was what people were paying for, now you have a tenant premium again, you might think that cap rates for these whole food anchored centers might start to compress again. Uh, now, that said, it's hard in this environment where I think everybody expects a little bit of an interest rate increase and that we're probably at the lowest levels people can get for cap rates. So you know, I don't think you're going to see additional compression just based on this new tendency. Uh, but who knows? You might. But I think at the very least, you'll see that that tenant premium come back again. And so if interest rates start to go up and cap rates for retail start to go up, you know, perhaps for these centers, you'd see less of an expansion as that uh, as people pay up for that tenant premium. And just given the strength of the balance sheet of Amazon behind this venture, uh, I think people would feel safer about these investments. Now, as for other grocers, you know, that gets trickier. You know, the day after the announcement on the stock market, all the retailers, all the other grocer retailers uh, took a bit of a hit. But I think the public equity markets sometimes overreact initially. You know, if you are still one of those grocers and you've got a good client base and a good location, uh, does it really change your business model? Maybe eventually. You know, we just don't know what the business approach of Amazon swallowing Whole Foods is going to be yet. And if I own an asset and it's the tenant's cash flowing, they've got uh, a number of consumers coming there every day for those day-to-day needs, you know, that's not going to change immediately. Yeah, that's interesting. And you mentioned the stock market reacting on Friday. You know, Costco on, on Friday went down 7%, Target 5%, Walmart even 5%. So the market did react, and Amazon stock went up. So when you look at these retail centers, and, and, and you know retail has kind of lost its favor a little bit in the investment world, uh, might this be a spark? I mean, if you look at uh, the last mile issue, that has become a big issue for a lot of these online retailers. Is this a signal that retail, is, it's very well located typically, right? Great visibility, great locations in uh, areas with a lot of population. Does that mean maybe retail it comes back in favor because now you have another use? Well, retail, I think, has never fallen out of favor for certain types of properties. You know, the the well-located you know, with the great demographics around them, I think investors have wanted to buy those for some time. The problem is that there's only a handful of those locations, and nobody wants to sell them. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it, you know, there's a lot of retail that's available at the fringes of a metro market. You know, they have an empty Circuit City location. A developer built it in uh, uh, 2003, thinking that all the population growth was going to come their way, and never quite filled out. Uh, that's you know what is more transacting uh, at the moment. The best of the best. If you're an owner of that stuff today, why do you sell? You know, where else are you going to put those proceeds? And, and I think that's you know it's a bit of a, an issue of haves and have-nots in retail right now. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, it seems like uh, a lot of the centers that we sell, we sell shopping centers in the southeast, and we end up selling a lot of there between two and three million and ten million. And even though there's some fluctuation in what's going on with those tenants, they seem to be very popular, even in the secondary, tertiary markets. And uh, it was kind of interesting. Well, we'll see if this 
helps retail in general, or if some people look at it as, you know, as, the, as another nail in the coffin. Well, Jim, thanks for, for tracking and doing what you guys do, and thanks for being on the show. Thanks again for having me. All right, thank you. And stay tuned. We're going to have more. I mean, if you look at 431 locations, and Amazon's probably going to be in your backyard and my backyard, what does it mean for us? What's it mean for retail? What's it mean for real estate moving forward? Stay with us. We'll have more right after this short break. And please do join us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Comment on the show. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We love to hear from you. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit GetValuate.com. That's GetValuate.com. Build-Out, the best all-in-one marketing tool for your brokerage. Learn how you can create marketing materials instantly and streamline your property listings process. Visit BuildOut.com. Hi, this is Michael Ball. Check out Plum Lending, the $1 to $25 million commercial real estate specialist. Plum offers you speed, certainty, and preferential turns because it's all driven by technology. Visit GetYourPlumLoan.com. That's GetYourPlumLoan.com. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. We're your source for market intel, forecast, and success strategies. And this segment is brought to you by Excelligent. If you're looking for commercial real estate information around the U.S., check out Excelligent.com. Well, today we have a very topical story for you today. Amazon has announced that they're going to acquire Whole Foods, and it's a pretty big announcement. It's been uh, important to I think retailers, uh, grocery store owners, uh, retail property owners, investors, uh, lenders. So everyone's a little uh, curious about what it might mean for everyone involved. Please welcome my first guest. It's Stephanie Sigalski. She is vice president of public relations with ICSC. Stephanie's joining us on the phone. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. So, Stephanie, you see this from, I guess, from a lot of views. Um, how shocking is this? Or was this something you saw coming? Uh, you know, we didn't see this coming at all. It was a, a very shocking announcement. I think it's, um, uh, it's an interesting announcement. It, it shows that Amazon really does want to be in the brick-and-mortar space uh, and that it has this long-term growth strategy, and that includes the physical footprint. Uh, but I think it, it caught everyone off guard. Yeah, and, and do you think that they're going to try to do what they've done for retail, and uh, and that is deliver it to us? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I you know, I think they've tried that. You know, they they've they've had a lot of problems with their Amazon Fresh uh, segment, and so I think maybe this will kind of supplement it. It's, it's an interesting mix, considering that um, or that Whole Foods has, you know, always they've kind of had that tagline of whole paychecks. People have been a little um, 
a little cautious just because of, of how Whole Foods prices and Amazon is known for really bringing prices down and being, um, you know, kind of a, a competitor in that in that space of, of pricing items. So it's an interesting mix. I think they'll try to try to get groceries to you. Um, you know, the United States only uh, something like 1.6 percent of consumers in the United States actually order their groceries online and have them delivered, you know, um, as opposed to China, they have 16% of their population uh, does online with their groceries. So it's an interesting move for Amazon. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that it's Whole Foods as well. I mean, so I think of them as kind of fresh and, and high quality, you know, maybe healthy uh, foods. And I don't think them as a kind of that, that price leader, that lowest price. But how is that a concern to other grocery store chains then if, if Amazon can come in and, and get these prices down and then add on top of that uh, their delivery? Um, you know, I can't speak for any particular grocery, but my guess is they are all um, really looking at this. Um, it's not a done deal. There's been a lot of speculation that perhaps uh, another grocer could come in and make an offer on Whole Foods as well. Uh, it's a it's a tough market. It, margins are small, so there is you know concern about what the business model looks like. Um, you know, for for Amazon, it's kind of that middle of the store. Those those non-fresh items become where the competition gets stiff. Although Whole Foods offers something different than your typical um, cereal and canned foods. Uh, but I mean, I think that there's there's skepticism from all sides um, as to what this might mean for the future. Yeah, and I guess the stock market uh, kind of reacted a little bit, too, with uh, uh, the stock prices on some of these other grocers, right? Yeah, we, I mean, we saw some of the other grocers had, were already taking a bit of a hit on Wall Street, and they took a, a further hit with this announcement. Uh, one of the interesting things is that both Amazon and Whole Foods stock prices went up with the announcement. Usually you have one up, one down. Um, but both went up, so there's clearly some support from Wall Street uh, over this uh, this marriage of the two. Yeah, and I'm a member of ICSC, and, and you have a lot of members uh, that own uh, properties. Uh, you, you have retail members, you have members who are developers and owners of, of uh, retail, and then support retail like I do, selling shopping centers and things. So what are you hearing from your members about this? You know, we haven't heard um, a lot yet. I think that that, and I don't think that's a, a bad sign or a, a, or a good sign. Um, I think that there's some pause to look at what's going on, what this means. Uh, you know, it could mean nothing. It could mean that Amazon walks away with 450 um, brick-and-mortar Whole Foods stores and, you know, the owners of, of those properties, it's just the same. It could mean something different. I think there's just a lot of unknowns right now. Um, and so I think people are just trying to figure out if if it's going to have an impact on their property or maybe it's going to, you know, whether that be a positive or a negative impact. Yeah. So what if you uh, have Amazon in your shopping center? What might you be thinking or want to try to do moving forward? Well, I mean, I think that um, it, obviously, 
with with anything as as we're you know have gone through a year of a lot of large foreclosure announcements. Um, the, all those property owners, landlords, whomever need to think about that property and what that community wants. You know, Whole Foods has strategically placed themselves in communities that can support them, um, which is good. So there's a good chance that it, nothing will happen, at least in the short term. But as always, it's a, it's a matter of looking what the local community wants and needs and diversifying your tenancy to support that. Yeah. Well, might uh, the other grocers in the market that they compete with, uh, the Publix, the Kroger's, may they kind of speed up uh, their delivery options uh, when they see what's going on here? You know, I, it, it's hard to say if they'll speed up their delivery options, if they'll look at their whole um, business model and their strategy and approach, if they'll take it kind of a market-by-market market, um, look at at where they're they're positioned, um, you know, it's 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 hard to say. Some communities really support the kind of the online grocery and delivery experience, and some don't support that. So I think that you know, just because Amazon has acquired Whole Foods, it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone needs to start delivering groceries. It definitely is is community based, and um, whatever your community will support. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Uh, you know, you look at even my own family. So with me, I could probably order the, the almost identical things uh, once a week, and I, I might be a good candidate for that if there's a place for that delivery uh, to show up that's safe. But I look at my wife, and she's getting fresh ingredients, and she's preparing different things. She really <laughs> loves to cook. You know, she's going to go in that store and look at those vegetables and look at those herbs, right? So. Absolutely. And, you know, that's that's the big thing with consumers in America. They still overwhelmingly want to see and touch and be involved with the food they choose. Yeah. Um, you know, I know uh, one of the staples I have is I like to get a nice ribeye, but I do want to yeah. look at it. <laughs> wanna, right. Wanna... Right. You want to see what the meat man has uh, available because you may go in wanting a steak and walk out with lamb chops. <laughs> That's right. So, Stephanie, what else might this mean for retailers or, or retail properties own, owners moving forward? You know, I mean, I think it's, um, I, I do think it's a, a promising acquisition. I think that it really goes to, as, as Amazon has already started opening a few brick-and-mortar stores you know, in New York City with the bookstores or testing out the cafes and whatnot they have on their own properties uh, in Seattle. Um, I think that, you know, that the consumers are still going to desire physical locations, especially when it comes to groceries. Um, and so they, they, consumers crave the experiences of the shopping, and, and but they want the convenience of the digital and the physical. And I think that this is probably the first of what's likely many examples to come of that digital and physical meeting and meeting the needs of everyone. And so I think that something to be taken away from this is that we are definitely moving into a world where physical and digital are converging and have to be embraced. Yeah, that's a very good point, Stephanie. I mean, it is a good sign that uh, this online uh, retailer now is going to have a lot of physical real estate, and we're starting to see more of that all the time. Stephanie, thanks for joining us. We appreciate uh, your time. Thank you.
Well, it should be interesting to see what happens in retail and retail real estate moving forward. Thank you for joining us out there on one of the radio stations, iTunes, YouTube, or maybe you're watching or listening at CREshow.com. We do appreciate hearing from you. Please subscribe, comment, and let us know what you think. And uh, we're going to have a great show next week. Be sure and check us out. It's called Boom, Bust, or Bubble. We'll see you then. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show.